0: Log Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. I'm Alan Potcotter, and you're listening to Call Talk for March Twelfth, twenty twenty. Today's show is a special call talk on contact center management and the coronavirus. If you're listening live, we invite you to be part of the show and ask questions. Here's how you do it. Email me at allen@benchmarkportal.com. at I want to remind everyone that all of our shows are archived and available to listen to at benchmarkportal.com any time of the day. And now I would like to introduce the host of the show, Bruce Belfiore.
1: Thank you, Alan, and welcome, everyone, to this special edition of Call Talk. You've all heard the news about the impact of the COVID-19 virus and the impact that's having all over the world. And at the end of February, I realized that this was something that was going to impact all of us, including those of us in the customer contact sector, a sector that, after all, employs over 3% of the working population in North America not to mention millions of people around the world. Yet I had not seen anything written from a manager's point of view, and especially I hadn't seen anything written from a contact center manager's point of view. So I wrote and published an article entitled Coronavirus and Your Call Center, Don't Panic, Plan and Prepare. Well, we were overwhelmed by the reception the article received, and we realized there's a real hunger for good information from contact center managers like those in our benchmark portal call Talk Community. Uh, You know, then just yesterday, March 11th, the WHO declared, the the World Health Organization, declared a global pandemic. So that's why we wanted to talk more about the coronavirus, and we brought in an exceptional community health expert on the topic for you, Dr. Charles Fenzi. Welcome to the show, Dr. Fenzi.
2: Thank you very much, Ms. I appreciate being here.
1: Okay, great. Well, Dr., Fenzi is the CEO and chief medical officer for SB Neighborhoods Clinics, a nonprofit that provides medical and dental services for over 22,000 patients a year. And Dr. Fenzi is on the front lines of local community preparedness for the COVID-19 coronavirus epidemic, and he can really bring this issue down to the practical, local level where each of our listeners as contact center managers actually live. Now, we've all been seeing Dr. Anthony Fauci of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases at the National Institutes of Health on TV, who's been talking about this epidemic in national terms. So we are now bringing you Dr. Fency to talk to us about, at the local, managerial level, as I said, where we actually live. And, you know, I'd like to share one thing with our audience, uh, that this has gotten very personal very quickly. It happens that my son is living and working in Milan, Italy. Uh, He's working from home, of course, at this point. And we talk to him just about every day. And, of course, we're really concerned about him and our other friends and relatives in northern Italy. Uh, Italy, like the U.S. and Canada, is a G7 nation and among the world's largest economies and has a very vibrant, open, sometimes chaotic democracy that's hard to channel and control. Uh, but it's been earning a lot of kudos for the strong measures it's taken to contain this virus over the last several days. So Dr. Fenzi, compared with other places, it's still somewhat early going for coronavirus here in North America. Uh, What are the examples of China, South Korea, and Italy taught us about what to expect uh, over the next few months so that our managers can be better prepared?
2: We've learned a great deal from the uh, Chinese experience uh, in how they're, and they're publishing a lot of uh, data on their experience from the beginning of the uh, epidemic uh, in December through January and uh, February, and now beginning to see some uh, waning of their new cases. My understanding uh, on Tuesday was that, they, for the previous three days, it had no new cases outside of uh, Hubei province.
1: Mm. So that's really, really encouraging. That's great to hear. Um, and, but, of course, they've taken very dramatic measures to do that. So we have to think about this in terms of not just, you know, waiting something out, but actually being proactive about it. So we'll, we're going to focus on that uh, and try to give you good adv- advice as managers. Because most of our listeners work in brick-and-mortar contact centers, where people come in every day. They work in cubicles that vary in size, but sometimes don't even allow for the three-to-six-foot personal space that's being recommended. What can we do to minimize the risk of contagion in these circumstances, Dr. Fenzi?
2: So this is a uh, this is a droplet-transmitted uh, disease, which means that. Um, when you sneeze or cough, you produce – you shed – the virus that's been shed in your mucous membranes of your airways is then projected out into the environment. And there have been studies that show that that projection is about – is less than six feet. So those droplets will drop on a surface that's uh, somewhere between you and, and six feet away. So uh, the recommendation is that we do this thing that they call social distancing – which means you stay six feet away from uh, other people. You also wash your hands a lot because you pick it up by touching surfaces that have been contaminated when somebody coughed or sneezed. Uh, and if you put those up against your mucous membranes, nose, mouth, eyes, uh, you risk a contamination and uh, infection. Okay,
1: so that, that's great to understand. In other words, if you're just talking to somebody Basically, those droplets will fall a lot sooner. But if you sneeze or cough, then those things, uh, those uh, droplets, could go, yeah. could be projected uh, six feet out. So uh, I think one of the things for our managers is that this needs to be the subject of your next team meeting, and your next team meeting, and your next team meeting, uh, with regard to washing hands, as Dr. Fenzi uh, said, uh, keeping distance, and um, just cover your cough. Cover your cough. Cover your cough. And it seems to me that, you know, people have to break habits that they've had for a long time. And for (laughs) heaven's sakes, my son in Italy. Italy is a place where people love to hug, uh, you know, shake hands. They tend to get very close. And they are in the process of breaking those habits, and it's not easy. So you as a manager have to actually – a a manager who oftentimes tries to um, change behavior in the call center – for purposes of getting better results from your colleagues, now have to actually change behavior of the people you you work with, breaking habits like hugging, shaking hands, talking too close to each other, sitting too close to each other at lunch, etc. So you really need to make this uh, sort of a repeated theme of all of your uh, internal communications, both team meetings as well as uh, the, the kinds of things that uh, you do uh, written as well. Uh, anything else? like Dr. Fenzi? so we have situations too where some of the centers have cubicles that sort of meet the, the, the qualifications you were talking about, but others have uh, cubicles that are really closer to each other. Uh, in an extreme situation, what might a call center manager think about?
2: So here are these little uh, waist-high uh, cubicles, I guess is the way I kind of picture them and they're not terribly high, you might consider uh, uh, adding some plastic uh, covering that extends the height somewhat. You're gonna be, uh, your staff is gonna be fairly well protected if there's a barrier between them and the next person to them, as long as those barriers are um, uh, cleansed regularly with a a standard household cleaner. Uh, Clorox uh, kills this virus, Mm -hmm. so you can make a little, but I'm sure that most of your offices use a commercial EPA-approved cleaner that will kill this virus.
1: Right, right. No, that's a great one. So in those, uh, you know, circumstances where they are awfully close together and they're very low, then uh, putting in uh, extenders that are sort of hard plastic, uh, clear plastic above to to bring it up to a a decent height is something you might think about. Uh, That's a great idea. Anything else that you can think of or that you can talk about to uh, prepare our centers for eventual strong measures from the, the health authorities? And I think that's what we need to be thinking about.
2: So the, uh, so meetings are a big issue. Uh, if you're going to gather a bunch of your staff together and have meetings, you need to uh, let them know uh, about the social distancing, uh, meetings in, in, a tightly, in, in, a, uh, in a tight spot, uh, can be a bit of a, a problem. Our, our state has just uh, recommended that we don't have any gatherings uh, of uh, larger of a group larger than 250 people.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and then if you're going to do that, to have it in a space where you can have them spread out to be able to follow this six-foot social distancing guideline.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then, of course, the uh, hygiene, hand-washing, and don't touch your hands and face, uh, your eyes and face, with your hands. Um, I just read something recently that uh, we humans touch our face about 90 times a, 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 an hour. Wow. Uh, and I, and I, when I was putting this thing together for the Rotary club that Bill attended, uh, I tracked it and it's correct. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. Talk about breaking
1: habits, right? Dr. Tough. It's not easy, not easy. So that's why it has to be continually repeated. Uh, well, let's consider also demographics of our centers because one of the things we talk about is uh, the challenges of managing uh, everyone from aging boomers to the Gen Z. So, what sort of things, given the demographics of this disease, uh, should our people think about?
2: So, I well, so I think this this disease seems to be impacting uh, older folks more than uh, than younger folks. Uh, about 80% of the folks who get this virus will have, you know, fairly mild symptoms. Is my understanding. Um, and uh, for those folks, they should stay home when they're sick. And even the young ones. The older folks probably need to spend time um, not engaging in the uh, not engaging in in, uh, in socializing as much. Uh, so if they're working from home, that would be a good thing if that's if that's a possibility for you. Uh, I, the rec, It's also recommended that we get plugged into our local health authorities and to your private doc. Mm. What we've been telling our uh, folks is that uh, if you feel sick and you're not sure whether this is something you should worry about, call your doctor's office. Uh, we have a hotline here also that you can call. Uh, and our hospital has set up something called Cottage Care, which is a telehealth clinic uh, that's manned by uh, nurse practitioners. And many of your facilities, maybe many of your communities may have that as well uh, that you can hook into.
1: But I, I think that if I could just interrupt here a second, I think the uh, point that Dr. Fenzi just made about getting plugged in with the local health authorities is extremely important. And, um, you know, this is one of the things that we try to do as contact center managers who are supposed to be really good at communication, right? <laughs> That's one of the things that we're supposed to be really good at, is don't wait for the authorities to contact you. Let's say you're in a place that uh, is just is feeling it or hasn't really gotten the full uh, brunt of it. Uh, reach out. Plug in. Get to know them. And let them know you're there because they may not even be aware that you're there, particularly if you're a smaller center and then be ready to be part of the bigger plan of action for your community. And it could be that they will uh, send in a local, you know, Dr. Fency, who uh, basically has the authority and the, 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 the heft, if you will, to, to get them to change habits more quickly. Uh, so leverage them. Uh, I think it's really important to, to do that. Uh, do you have anything to add to that, Dr. Fensi?
2: Well, I think training of your staff is gonna be uh, critical as well. Uh, in terms of of, uh, of hygiene, uh, and you're and you're going to ha- and as as, uh, as Bruce mentioned, you're going to have to continue to uh, bring home this idea of don't touch each other, uh, and don't touch your hands face don't touch your face and with your hands, wash your hands frequently, use hand sanitizer with sixty uh, percent alcohol or or larger co- or higher concentration. It's very effective if you can find it. We're finding here in Santa Barbara that uh, uh, there's a shortage. It's hard to find a hand sanitizer, and that's probably true of your communities as well, mm. as is toilet paper, of all things. I haven't figured that one out yet.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, my wife was saying the same thing. It's like, what, why are people going crazy on this? And that actually, that's one of the messages of the article. And if anyone's interested in seeing the article that I wrote, they can find it uh, online at benchmarkportal.com. But, uh, you know, uh, very, very important to sort of keep your head and not go crazy, but rather be prepared uh, for and to plan for things. So part of that, too, is communicating proactively with your senior management. Uh, They may or may not uh, understand what your situation is like. Uh, We oftentimes see disconnects between senior managers and their customer contact functions. And it may be uh, easy for somebody, say, in uh, the – or fairly easy, not easy, but more easy for somebody in the uh, insurance sector, for instance, to say, okay, we're going to have uh, at least half of our people or more work from home also creating social spacing, actually, in the, in the office. That's a good way of doing it. But, you know, there's these contact centers with a lot more people packed into them, and they simply don't understand uh, that you're up against the different – uh, challenge so you need to let them know uh, very proactively. and um, yeah uh, also you can give extra support and training on how to handle anxious and upset customers. I'm sure Dr. Fency you have had to deal with patients who are very concerned and upset about the situation.
2: Yes, I think being able to speak to them uh, in, a, uh, in a calm voice and uh, give them information that you know, uh, which you can much of this you can get from the CDC website. It has a, one, a wonderful set of guidelines for what do you do, how do you communicate if you're in a work setting, how do you communicate if you're in a school setting, um, etc. Those are very very good uh, resources. Uh, I think it's also important to. Um, Let your, when you are talking to your staff that might be calling in and excited, is to recognize that this disease presents in a a way that's a little bit different than the flu. We're in the middle of flu season and the symptoms overlap, but this particular disease, fever seems to be the first symptom, whereas with the flu, you might have a scratchy throat and a little cough, and then that can lead to the the pneumonia that uh, we all dread from the flu, Uh, but happily is not uh, uh, as common. The coronavirus, on the other hand, starts with the fever, and then the cough uh, is the next symptom, and then the shortness of breath, which tells you that you now have the disease in your lung. Mm -hmm. So if your staff says, uh, you know, I think I have coronavirus, I've had a couple of patients tell me that. In fact, she thought she'd given it to her whole family because they were all coughing. And I asked if they had a fever, and she said, no, no, they don't. And I said, well, the good news is that in our community we don't have coronavirus yet, so I doubt that you're the first. Uh, And so reassurance can be very, very helpful to your staff. Mm -hmm. Also, I think letting your staff know that you are aware of the problem and that you have plans in place to help them. You know, what happens if your uh, single mom is raising children gets a call from the school that says we're closing the school. Mm-hmm. What, what does she do? She's going to have to go home. Can she work from home? You know, have plans in place to you know, figure that out. What happens if there's a travel restriction? In our community, many, many of our staff come from a community 35 miles south of us, and if that community were all of a sudden to be quarantined, then we'd have to figure out what we're going to do to make up for that loss of, uh, of, of personnel. So having, having plans in place and letting your staff know that you do, I think could be very helpful to them.
1: Okay. No, they're, they're great points. And uh, so really the, the uh, message there is to review your business continuation plan. Hopefully everybody who's listening to this has a business continuation plan. But uh, I've read a lot of business continuation plans in my day, and uh, a lot of them don't have much, if anything, when it comes to epidemics. Uh, They tend to be more for the power going down, for uh, storms, for uh, earthquakes, for things like that. But uh, if you haven't done so, pull out your business continuation plan and make sure that it covers this really well and that everybody knows what they need to do. In other words, don't just make the plan. Make sure that everybody knows what the plan is and what their role is in the plan. So here, IT is obviously key. Uh, Do you have multiple call centers that can be redundant, that you can actually, if one center is uh, heavily affected, you can lay off calls on the other? Uh, Do you have an outsourcer to whom you can funnel calls if your center gets locked down in some fashion? Uh, these are important things to do. So uh, do you already have at-home agents? And uh, if you wanted to, could you make everyone an at-home a- agent if things got locked down the way they are right now in Italy and parts of China? Um, so those are things to consider. I think that there's a lot of people who have been moving from premise-based systems for their contact centers to Uh, systems that can uh, be pushed out to at-home agents. Uh, This is not anything new. And so look at your situation, because in our listening audience, I I know that there's some that have purely premise-based systems, and now may be the time to start thinking about uh, how to, you know, transition to one that allows for at-home agents. Others have cloud-based systems or others that allow for Uh, home-based agents and you're actually using that and that's great and then there's some of you out there who could have home-based agents because your systems allow for it you just have never actually used that yet now is the time (laughs) to do a pilot now is the time to try it out Uh, and so those are important things to do because the at-home agents it's not just a matter of having somebody uh, log in and start working there you also need to have your supervisors and your other managers, your workforce managers, et cetera, uh, prepared to deal with those at-home agents in a positive way. So there's a lot of, lot of moving parts here, Dr. Fenzi, right?
2: There are. There are a lot of moving parts. Uh, I want to go back and, if I could, just review one of the things when we talk about uh, personal hygiene. This whole issue of masks is something that I'm asked about a lot. In fact, uh, one of the things that happened at our hospital was that they had masks at the front entrance to deal with the flu epidemic, and all of a sudden, when the COVID virus thing hit, those boxes of masks just disappeared at the front door. So they had to put uh, staff out there to help monitor that. Masks do not prevent us from, if we're healthy, from getting the virus because the air seeps around the mask. They help... Prevent uh, us from getting the virus from somebody who has it, because it prevents that droplet projection that uh, that Bruce talked about earlier from getting to uh, people, getting people contaminated. Uh, so the, the mask is very important if we have somebody who's sick that we isolate them with that mask. But it does not prevent the disease for those of us that are not symptomatic.
1: Mm. Okay, that's great. It was good. I think. Probably we should be thinking, too, in terms of giving our folks, whether they're in the, uh, in the uh, call center or at home, uh, extra support and training on how to handle those anxious and upset customers. I mean, we do that when our products don't work or when our services don't work. Uh, it's going to be a, a little bit different. If you were in certain industries, the uh, travel industry particularly, uh, the insurance industry, a number of other industries, let's uh, sort of be proactive in terms of figuring out what sort of problems are going to come in and training up for that ahead of time. And then monitoring things as they go ahead and as you find new uh, issues that come up, uh, do a quick training on those as well. And then, you know, also think of ways in which if you do have people at home, if you're in an industry where the volume drops, use this as an opportunity to provide on-demand training that will increase the professionalism of your staff. This is a perfect time to do that. So downtime at home is perfect for this type of training. Uh, it can be taken where where they are and when they have availability. And uh, obviously, uh, I think everyone knows that Benchmark Portal has uh, been a leader in uh, on-demand training for all levels of contact center professionals. That's something that we, uh, we really believe in and, And want to be helpful in so um, those are things that you could be thinking about too Um, one other thing that I can think about is communicating proactively with other departments that have an impact on what you do marketing product finance etc you know break down those functional silos find out what they're doing to prepare and be ready to share what you're doing to prepare Um, so Dr. Uh, Benzie, what should you do if someone actually presents with symptoms at the beginning of a shift or during a
2: shift? So I I think a very good strategy is if somebody's sick, they shouldn't be in the the work environment. Mm -hmm. Uh, They should go home. And we're telling our staff that. Don't come in if you're sick. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's just, you know, you transmit not only the coronavirus, but you transmit the flu virus and everything else. Mm -hmm. Okay,
1: and that's where being hooked into your local health authorities can give you the answer to exactly, you know, what you should do. I heard about one place where they're meeting people who uh, say they're feeling a little sick out in the parking lot yes. and then bring them to the hospital or doctor's offices or something like that.
2: So we we, we have, uh, we the plan that we've developed for our clinics is similar to that. We have a sign on the door out on the stoop, the front stoop, uh, that says, if you're sick, call. And so people, everybody in our community has a cell phone. California gives cell phones to everybody who can't afford one. So everybody has a cell phone so they can call the desk inside and uh, alert them that they're sick. And then they will be met by somebody who has a mask and who has donned the appropriate personal protective gear and meet them outside, and then we will put them into a designated room um uh, and uh, and treat them from there. Evaluate them and treat them from there. Yeah. Uh, this, our health department is asking us to rule out other diseases that have similar symptoms, like the flu, before we call the health department. But if a patient meets the criteria of having uh, symptoms of uh, coronavirus, then uh, we are calling the uh, health department and letting them help us uh, with the evaluation. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, one of the things that has come across—we uh, were watching the uh, Italian channel, my wife and I, on uh, the uh, uh, on cable TV—and uh, they're being really good about leveraging people's appreciation for first responders, natural appreciation for first responders, and for healthcare workers by having those people on TV talking to the public. And so it's not, you know, some minister or whatever, although their prime minister gave a really good speech last night. But it's, it's, the, actually, it's the nurses and doctors in the uh, facility saying, hey, look, we're doing everything we can for you guys. Can you do something for us? Which is stay home.
2: Yes, <laughs> just stay, just stay, home. stay
1: home. That's all we're asking you to do is stay home. And they had a, uh, a, a um, chart up which showed a hump. Uh, uh, which is the normal course of the virus without people taking certain measures, and then how it's spread out if they do take those measures. And one of the concepts is that you're not going to prevent things from spreading, but you're going to slow the spread. By slowing the spread, you make sure that the uh, medical sources are not overwhelmed, and you actually give time for, you know, a response to, to develop. So this is really important stuff. This is very, uh, on a human level, on a health level, it's extremely important.
2: I think that's a really good point. Uh, I attended a uh, meeting uh, with the head of our hospital, our local hospital yesterday, and, um, and he reiterated the idea that uh, with limited tests available, not everybody's gonna get tested. If you don't have symptoms, you're not gonna get tested. The tests are gonna be used for people who are sick Uh, people who have been in direct contact with somebody who has a confirmed case of coronavirus, and for the elderly that have symptoms Mm. that could be consistent with this uh, virus. It's the elderly that are particularly uh, at risk here, particularly vulnerable.
1: Great. Uh, Alan, I think we've got a couple of uh, calls. We're going to go a little bit longer than we normally do on call talk uh, by a minute or two. Uh, Do you have a a, a question there for uh, Dr. Fancy?
0: Yes, we got a couple here. The first one is from Tom, and he's asking, if one of our workers gets the virus and recovers, can we be sure that, he, that they cannot be reinfected later?
2: Uh, Tom, uh, that's a really, really good question. The, we don't know the, the, true, the, answer, the true answer to that yet, but from the Chinese experience, we think you develop immunity to that virus. The reason that it's a little bit confusing is that this is an RNA virus. RNA viruses tend to mutate um, fairly rapidly, and so it may. It's like like our, uh, our flu virus, which is not an RNA virus. But that ra- the reason we have to get a shot every year is because it mutates, and this may be true of the coronavirus as well. So we don't know that for sure, but the Chinese experience is such that we it appears that the population is now developing an immunity, which is why their number of new cases is dropping.
0: Very good, very good. Do we have another question there too, Alan? Yes, we have one from Rudy and his question is, can you contract the virus from paper money? China cleaned their money to help contain it. Should we be concerned and use credit or debit cards more?
2: You know, that's a really, really good point. Uh, as I, I, my HR director and I to get here in the morning very, very early. And so when I came in to see her, she was complaining that the Starbucks or her coffee place wouldn't fill her personal container because they're now concerned about the uh, uh, contamination of her cup, whereas they took her money. And, uh, <laughs> and so the issue is a really good issue. I have not heard any direction from our health uh, people about cleaning your money, but I think you have to pay. Here's what I here's what I would do. You now, if you're going to handle your money, wash your hands after you do that. Yeah. Uh, use a if you can find a sanitizer to carry around with you. Do that. Mm-hmm. I uh, I one one person that I gave a tour to uh, yesterday. Uh, just instinctively shook my hand, and then she apologized, and she pulled out her hand sanitizer and gave <laughs> me a squirt. <laughs> so you know I think you just have to do some things that are sort of make practical sense right to get around this. The money issue is a very a very important one. I've been worrying about that as well.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh so uh well, listen, this is a very very important uh, topic. Uh, we're so glad that dr. fency was able to make the time and did make the time to uh, talk to us about it. Uh, it's an evolving issue, so it's something that we at Benchmark Portal will stay up on and try to be a resource, uh, remain a resource for contact center managers. If there's anything that you would like us to explore, uh, both on this topic or any other, please get in touch with me, let me know, and we will follow up. So uh, as, as Dr. Fenzi knows, we have a, a uh, global audience However, uh, when it comes to responding to this sort of thing, it's a very local thing. So we really appreciate, Dr. Fenzi, you sharing your, your experience on that.
2: Thank you very much for having me, Bruce.
1: Okay, great. Well, with that, I'd like to turn things back over to Alan to close up the show. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks again to Dr. Fenzi and Bruce Bofiore for your thoughtful discussion on today's special edition of Call Talk on the coronavirus be sure to join us next week for our regular regularly scheduled show on drug testing and contact center management with christine kunin who on march 18th you may also look at our large selections of archive shows and topics at benchmarkportal.com then click on call talk where you'll find over 10 seasons of this show from all of us at benchmark portal keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready have a great day
2: Oh, that's me, yes. i apologise.